0: hey everyone i'm back today to continue on with the journey of learnings from quarter four 2022 so i'll jump right in there's so much that we simply do not know at the end of last year i came across a geopolitical strategist named peter zion who wrote a book called the end of the world is just the beginning and posts daily brief informative videos on youtube about geopolitics whether it be content about the cotton industry water trade in the U.S. being underutilized, the intricacies of the microchip industry, demographics' implication on the stability of various countries' economies, or several other topics, I'm constantly learning something and being humbled by how little I know. It's easy to forget this, as we often need to rely on conviction and what we think we know to maintain a vision of the world that is stable and certain. Nevertheless, it is important to be consistently reminded that we do not know everything, and in fact, we know very little in the grand scheme of things. The world is such a vast and dynamic place, with endless knowledge to pursue and domains to explore. Even Zion himself, while being a rolodex of information about global markets, demographics, and politics, likely has many areas in which he simply has very limited knowledge, just like the rest of us. This humility, if we allow it to, opens the door to curiosity and exploration. We can see all that we do not know, and use that information to fuel our pursuit of knowledge. It can also push us to hold our opinions more loosely, as we likely lack all of the information necessary to truly understand something to a sufficient level of depth, even if we have many years of experience in the given area. Try going to the gym without headphones. I stopped listening to music and podcasts through headphones at the gym over the last few months. Before that, I had been a religious user of headphones in those spaces looking to enter my own world and cut myself off from my surroundings by doing so. Through some reflection, I realized that although these music and podcast selections may make me feel more spirited and provide me with interesting things to think about, that time of physical exercise is better served for other functions. Allowing the mind to wander, paying attention to my surroundings, and most importantly, I have found, paying attention to my body and the physical sensations of the movements and the breath are much better functions to focus on during a workout. The inner music and podcast content can be overwhelming and can remove me from the experience itself which, as I have observed it without these additional stimuli, is already quite intense and provides a tremendous amount to experience through my sensory systems. As I have said before, reality as it is, is enough. Adding to it takes us away from all the beauty that it already contains. I ask that you try this and explore it through the lines I am sharing here. Just observe how your body feels when you are exerting yourself extensively. Allow your mind to wander. And see where it goes. Focus on your breath and breathe more deeply. Feel, the, feel your lungs and feel them as they fill and release cyclically. Feel your heartbeat and the blood flow through your body. It's a truly fascinating experience to be had. Just because everyone else isn't saying something doesn't mean you should follow suit. On my grandma's birthday, she was in a bit of a testy mood. She was making a lot of sharp comments and accusations of others which seemed to fall on deaf ears as nobody else engaged her in conversation about them and their meaning. She soon made a comment about me in which she declared that I did not send her a thank you card for a gift she gave me when I graduated without specifying which graduation. She said that she said that this hurt her and that it was wrong of me to do this. I responded to her by saying that I'm not sure I did send that I am sure that I did send her a thank you note that I said thank you when I received it. She resisted this response, which led me to a comment about a deeper point, in which I remarked to her that her response revealed a deep assumption about my character and our relationship. If she assumed that I had good character, that we had a strong relationship, she would have approached me when this happened instead of over five years after the fact, or assumed that an error happened that was not dependent on me, like the post office lost a letter in transmission. Should have also assumed that I did not intend to hurt her by doing what she assumed I did. That was what I wanted to talk about and for her to wrestle with in her her head. Why was she hurt by this without any clarifications of my intent and my actions? Why did she hold on to this for so long? What was making her so resentful? As we had this conversation, the eight other people in the room remained silent, and a couple even attempted to stop the conversation entirely, stating that it was a bad thing to quote-unquote fight in that way at that time. I didn't see the interaction as problematic at all, as talking about our relationships and expressing how we feel about others, whether it be in accords or totally discordant from reality, is fundamental for us to find common ground and build stronger foundations in our connections. Although nearly everyone else in the room would have remained silent when my grandma made this comment, speaking up and engaging with her in this way was important for our relationship. Following suit would not have been the best long-term solution, despite the reduction in tension in the moment. Sit with this and ponder situations that resemble this one that you have been in. Both the situations in which you have not followed suit and those in which you have. Was it the right choice? Did that action align with who you wished to be as a person? Did you follow the crowd because it was easier? Some simple marriage advice. During a dinner with my aunt and uncle, who have been together for many years, I asked them what advice they would give to a couple about to embark on a new marriage. They gave Gabby and me four pieces of advice. I thought they were interesting ideas, so I'll share them here with some explanations. First, communicate and don't hold it in. Instead of trying to hold information, feelings, thoughts, or ideas back because we're not sure how the other person will take it, it is much better to just say it, particularly sooner rather than later, to deal with it and work through it together before it snowballs into something bigger. Second, have fun. Life isn't all business, although the business side of becoming financially stable and building a career to maintain that financial stability is very important, it cannot be the one component of a unidimensional life. Recognize this and make your life multidimensional. Do things that are fun and stir the pot away from your work life and typical routines. Three, have your own lives. Doing everything together and constantly involving the other person in everything you do is a recipe for unnecessary issues. Although we are all similar, we are significantly different and unique, and yes, even in comparison to your spouse. This means that we all have interests and things we want to do that are not the exact same as our spouse's. We cannot live a life where we simply give up every unique part of ourselves when entering in union with someone else. That would stop us from being who we are, which attracted the other person to us in the first place. Thus, make sure to keep up with having your own life. Do the things you want to do and cultivate your own unique perspective and interests. There will be plenty of time to spend with your spouse to build and work on your relationship outside of that. 4. Respect each other. When two people get married, those two people are adults. Being an adult means being an independent, functional person who can navigate what the world throws at them. Before getting married, each person had their own life for many years, in which they were educated and had experiences that stimulated their personal growth. That process merits respect. Even when they go and get stuff, we misunderstand each other, and we struggle. Each person is still a person who merits respect. So give it to them. Five, do fun stuff before you have kids. As wonderful as having kids is, it also introduces a dependency that you cannot escape if you want to be a good parent. This dependency is a sacrifice as you give up freedom to invest into the development of your children. Fortunately, we can make choices to when we have kids in a marriage. Doing fun things together before you have kids helps to add to the foundation of connection and shared experiences that can serve as a backbone when challenging circumstances arise in the relationship, which having children will certainly surface. Investing in that fun, and when there are fewer obstacles to do so, pays dividends later. And lastly for today, as AI and technology evolve, will human-to-human skills matter even more? I've gotten to play around with AI tools like ChatGPT and have to admit how impressed I have been by what they can do. Given my knowledge of the underlying mathematics required to create a tool like ChatGPT, I understand just how complex of a process it is to build something so capable and user-friendly, although there are certainly remaining flaws. Exploring these tools has led me to reflect a lot on what their social implications will be. Will AI usurp all humans and their skills? I don't think so. Will replace the current functions and tasks of some? Undoubtedly. These answers led me to wonder which functions of AI will not usurp humans. My hypothesis is that creativity, particularly applied to -to human-to-human interactions, will be an area where AI will struggle to catch up to humans' abilities. AI can suggest solutions from broad scoping advice and summaries of what has been said in articles and documents across the internet. Yet, can it produce specifically tailored advice that makes a person feel uniquely seen and understood better than a skilled human can? This question conflicts me. I cannot say that AI will never usurp humans in this regard, as the development of technology and what its capabilities are is simply unpredictable over many decades. But I do think that it will take much longer to usurp humans in these domains compared to others. And if it does usurp humans in these domains, I'll be very curious to know how it happened and what the implications are. It is a heavy vision to explore and make sense of. Thanks for listening. We're more than halfway through now, and I'll be back over the next couple of episodes with the rest. I hope that you enjoyed this and found some value in the five lessons that I shared here. As always, much love, and please take care. Cheers.